Welcome back, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. We greet you again for another thrilling episode of Dick Rogers Space Detective. I'm your tech wizard and host, Joanna Hemlock, and joining me as usual is my co-host and brain hacker, Eleanor Barkley. How did I get brain hacker? And we have our web weaver extraordinaire, Mike Nutley. Seriously, I know we like to do the fun gimmick openings, but what's with the titles? Well, it's in theme with today's episode. It's been a while since we went back to the really hard-boiled noir episodes, so I found something special in the archives. Today's episode was originally broadcast November 26, 1982, and it was the last episode of The Adventures of Dick Rogers' Space Detective ever produced. Wait a second. You said this was broadcast in 1982? And I looked back at our history notes and saw the show kept going until 89. Yes! And if you want the rest of the story, you'll have to stick with us until the end of the episode. Okay, Paul Harvey, you've piqued my interest. Anyway, this episode grounds Dick on Earth in the mean streets of New Angeles in a crime thriller story that seems heavily influenced by Blade Runner, released earlier that same year, as well as other sci-fi stories of a similar vein, books by the likes of Philip K. Dick, and more pulp speculative sci-fi like 2000 AD. Now there's a name I haven't heard in a while. I read a bunch of his books in college. I think A Scanner Darkly has to be my favorite, though. Oh, I was talking about 2000 AD. A friend of mine hooked me up with a ton of back issues he downloaded onto a flash drive back in the day. While we can have Sci-Fi Book Club all day, I think we should get started on the episode for the week. Oh my gosh, can we do Sci-Fi Book Club? Can that be our first spin-off podcast? Ooh, that does sound like a good idea. I've got a whole stack of recommendations. Like, did you know before the first Star Wars came out? Later! We can talk about all of this later, but for everyone at home, please make sure your audio gear is tuned to the correct frequency for Dick Rogers and the Deceptive Damsel. If you fall asleep in the rat-eat-dog corporate world of New Angeles, there's no guarantee that you'll wake up with your job or even your life intact. But when you wake up to your worst nightmare, There's only one man you can turn to, Dick Rogers, Space Detective. Just keep in mind, just because you've let go of your morals to get ahead, doesn't mean Dick has let go of his. But if you haven't woken up from your dream yet, join us for Dick Rogers and the Deceptive Damsel. It was raining for the first time in years. New Angeles didn't get a lot of rain. Not since it was rebuilt after the Third World War. I wondered if the mega farms in the valley missed this one, or if this rogue thunderstorm was just that big. My idle-minded musings about the weather were interrupted when he came in. He was about middle-aged, distraught, the worried father type. Are you Dick Rogers? That's what the name on the sign says. My optics scan his face, and his profile comes up in my vision. Everett Michaels, clean record, which is suspiciously rare in this city. Wife one kid. My name is... I know. I just read your file. Yes, you would have access to that. I'll I'll cut to the chase. My daughter Jocelyn has gone missing. She didn't come home four days ago. I tried checking her trackers and her comm gear, but they've been disabled. Tragic. Hate to say this, but that's not exactly rare in this city. Girls disappear every day here. But I also know the fact that you're coming to me about it means the police can't or won't help you. So why don't you sit down and have a drink with me and talk to me for real? I can't help you if you hold back on me. 
I poured two glasses of scotch from the bottle at my desk and set one in front of him, the other for me. He took it nervously, but downed it before I poured another. I work for AP Cybernetics. Don't have to be a detective to figure that out. Nobody that isn't a suit in this city has a record as clean as yours. I'm an executive. Any known enemies? I I don't have any enemies. Mr. Everett, you might be unfamiliar with a saying we have here in New Angeles. If you want to find the source of any problem, look up. You might not have heard that being in your fancy towers and board meetings all day, but I can tell you for a fact that you didn't get where you are now without stepping on someone to get there. The mere fact that you're a suit means that the average gearhead on the street wants to see you burn. Uh, Okay, fine. I, I might have stepped on a few toes here and there, but that's business, right? Well, when business is your whole life, some people take that very personally. Just last week, I heard of a suit hiring a hitter because he wasn't invited to someone's retirement party. So if you want to quit beating around the bush and give me names, I can try and get started. Fine. Masterman Holland. He had his name changed to Masterman? Really? I didn't say that. You didn't have to. Nobody would seriously name their kid that. Only someone with a massive ego would even consider it. Says a guy named Dick Rogers. You know that sounds like- Moving on. Anyway, I recently got a promotion over him and- He might have been a little upset about that. We we used to be friends in school. Always said we were going to climb the ladder together. He hasn't shown up to work since I got the promotion. I I think he quit. I think I see the picture. Know his home address? Any places he hangs out? I can send you his address. And we used to go to this one bar together, the, um, the Devil Den. I know of it. Can't say I've been myself, but I know the reputation. I hope we can be discreet about that detail. My wife has had enough stress dealing with this as it is. Maybe if you sweeten the deal a little, I can forget where I got that detail from. And I don't take credit. D-marks only. He pulled out a stack of bills and placed it on the table. 20k now, and another when you find my daughter. I picked up the stack and slid my thumb across the side. The counter in my optics verified the amount. If I find her... We have to be realistic here. There's a chance that there might not be anything left of her to find. I get it. Even if it comes to that, I I at least want the clue. Pleasure doing business, then. I saw the notification pop up in my vision after he sent me the details. Thank you. I slipped a few of the bills into my wallet, stuffing the rest into my desk. Nowadays, you couldn't trust a bank as far as you could throw one. Most people reverted to the savings-in-the-mattress method of banking. With my spending cash tucked away, I exited the office, the door locking automatically behind me. I looked out over the city from 30 stories up, the rain still coming down like it was trying to wash the filth out of this city. Maybe after another 39 days it would start to work. I made my way to the elevator and took it down to the ground level. Despite the downpour, the streets were as busy as ever. People flooded the walkways as usual. Nobody could afford a car anymore. And there was too much traffic with the automated shipping vehicles. I set the destination on my navigation system, and the path before me showed up as a dotted line on the ground. As I walked, I saw the usual things you'd see in New Angeles. Gearheads on the corner showing off their latest tech. Most of them could hardly even be called human anymore. That was another advancement after WW3, with personal cybernetics. During the economic collapse, huge multinational companies swooped in and bought up as much property as they could while it was still cheap. It didn't hurt that the U.S. had pretty lax laws on what a corporation could or couldn't do. They were given the same effective autonomy as a private citizen. After that, they kept everyone distracted with new technological advancements. Cybernetic upgrades to whatever you wanted. Simple things at first, 
Optic gear for those with bad eyesight, audio gear for the deaf, but it expanded. Soon everyone wanted to be the best version of themselves they could, and they were willing to pay. Kiosks with automated cosmetic surgery at your local mall. Want to improve your throwing arm? There's gear for that. Want to run faster? Browse the comnet with nothing but your mind? See an infrared? Enhance your reflexes? Get a four-foot retractable blade jammed into your arm? There's gear for that. Even a dinosaur like me couldn't put it off for too long. Com gear communication became so standard it damn near became a necessity, as well as the optics upgrade with a personal HUD. But that was also where I drew the line. My body was good enough, thank you very much. I came to the address, a swanky-looking house in suit country, a neighborhood of New Angeles away from the dirt and grime that only the suits could even think about affording after a ten-year career. I rang the doorbell, but I was met with an automated message that the previous tenant no longer lives here. No forwarding address. Suspicious. I was left with only one lead, Devil's Den. The kind of establishment you usually didn't want your spouse to know you visited. Where you could meet someone for a night of entertainment, or get hooked up with a digital program that streamed the experience right into your brain. The bouncer barely glanced at me as I walked through the door. The inside was a bar and dance floor. The usual nightclub stuff with a dull thumping beat playing over the speakers. At the far end was a pair of double doors that led to where the real business happened. Either it was a slow night or everyone was in the back rooms already. The bar was practically empty as I approached. Hi, mister. What can I get for you? The woman behind the bar was wearing a personal hologram, gear that temporarily altered your appearance. Right now, it was set to make her look like some kind of living cartoon character with pink hair and cat ears. The name tag on her skimpy outfit said, Tracy. Information. I'm looking for someone that supposedly frequents here. Apparently goes by Masterman Holland. Aw, oh, gee. I'm awfully sorry, mister, but we can't talk about customers like that. Privacy and all. Unless you was a cop with a warrant. I slid a few D's across the bar to her. How's that for a warrant? Not out here. In the back. Room 8. She picked up the bills and tucked them away before anyone could see. I nodded to her and got up from the bar, passing through the double doors and down the following corridor. I ignored the sounds of what I heard behind those doors I passed until I got to room 8 and stepped inside. It was a small room with a couch in front of a table. At the center was a pole that reached to the ceiling. Colored lights around the table illuminated it, and at the other end was a shoddy, cheap-looking bed. I could only imagine what happened in this room regularly, but thankfully I didn't have to be alone with my thoughts for long as Tracy entered the room, locking the door. You got ten minutes. She deactivated her hollow and sat on the couch. She was an average-looking woman with notable gear replacements for each arm. I also noticed a seam along her jawline. Artificial skin, meaning half her face was a gear replacement too. She fished a pack of cigarettes from her pocket and lit one, taking a long drag and letting the smoke fill the room. You gonna talk or gawk? Doesn't really matter to me, money's the same. Like I said, I'm looking for a masterman Holland. Apparently he frequents here. Nobody uses their real name here. You gotta be more specific. You got a picture of this guy or something? With my comm gear, I sent her a picture of Masterman that was in the file Everett had sent me. Oh, yeah, I've seen him. Usually comes on the weekends. Tends to drink a lot and get handsy with the merchandise. Last time he was here, did he have a girl with him? Uh, 3D or digital. I also sent her the picture of Jocelyn that was in the file. Oh, yeah, I saw them earlier today, actually. Apparently they're looking for someone to get them out of the city. 
Did they say why? Oh, we didn't ask. That's kind of the point of this place. Do you know who they were put in contact with? Normally, I'd say it's none of your business, but I know you'll find out one way or another. You didn't hear it from me, but I think they were told to ask 4th Street GR. They're a band of smugglers that can get contraband in and out of the city pretty easily. Wouldn't surprise me if they have suit contacts keeping them off the radar. Thanks for the info. I'll delete this conversation from my logs. Oh, one more thing. That girl didn't look like she was being kidnapped. She was running away. I've worked here long enough to be able to spot the difference. So you should ask yourself what it is she's running away from. I'll keep that in mind. I left the establishment, thinking over what she said. Though it still didn't change the fact that I had to track Jocelyn down. I could ask her all the questions I wanted once I did. Hey, you. Yeah, you. The guy listening to this right now. I know your type. Boss got you down. The missus needed a little extra spice in your love life. Well, your friends at AP Cybernetics have the answer to all your woes. The new Raptor Talon 4.0, more durable than the previous model. The new tungsten steel frame guarantees you'll get a clean cut every time. Nothing says, hey world, I'm a new man, like fresh gear from AP Cybernetics and the Raptor Talon 4.0. It's the latest in the AP Cybernetics line of quality products. So next time your boss harasses you for those reports, well, he'll never see it coming. And you'll be sure to impress your lady at home. So contact your local AP Cybernetics salesman today and ask how you can get your hands on the Raptor Talon 4.0. We're even offering discounts if you upgrade from the 3.0 or even the 2.0. Call now and talk to a representative at... This is Pirate Radio. Take it over your airwaves. 027-2927. Call now. The 4th Street GR were a well-known entity in New Angeles. They were one of several street gangs that fought over territory from time to time. But as you may have surmised, they primarily operated out of 4th Street, so that naturally was the next place for me to stop. However, along the way there, I passed a crime scene on the side of the road, NAPD vehicles keeping people away. This was a common sight. Most passerbys didn't even bother to glance at the dead body on the sidewalk. I would have been the same, but I happened to get a look at the corpse. Sure enough, I was met with the face of Masterman Holland. Hey, buddy, police business, move it. Hold on, I've been looking for this guy. You family? Spouse? I'm a detective. I was hired to find this guy. You can file a report at the station. Now beat it before I beat you. He's off, Brandon, I know him. Yeah, well, I don't, so this Malacus can take a hike. That's Dick Rogers, dumb cough. Let him through. The officer named Brandon stepped aside, though continued to glare at me as I passed. It took me a second to recognize the other guy, but... Suddenly, the name on his badge rang a bell. Raymond Coons. We were both stationed on the moon base back when the space and space detective made sense. We were both bright-eyed young kids fresh out of training. We weren't prepared for what waited for us up there. The worst corporate bureaucracy had to offer. Corruption tied up in red tape. And they didn't like our type snooping around. It wouldn't have been so bad if we weren't good at the job, or could have been bribed. 
When we couldn't be bought or scared off, they fabricated some documents and paid off some suits to frame us for embezzlement, bribery, pretty much anything short of murder. That is to say, they framed me specifically. They made an example of me, used me to send a message to everyone else, fall in line, or end up just like this one. Needless to say, I was stripped of my rank and title and had my space travel status revoked. I was left to pick up the pieces by myself. I definitely wasn't bitter about it. So, um, it's been a while. It has. I'm surprised to see you, Planetside. After everything that happened, I didn't have the stomach for it. I lasted another few months and I put in for a transfer. From space detective to beat cop, not exactly an upgrade. And between us, I know the NAPD isn't much better on the corruption front. I got a wife and two kids. School ain't cheap. Not the good ones, anyway. Mind your own business. So what's the deal with the body? Seems pretty cut and dry. Raptor Talon wound in the chest. No wallet or ID on him. He also had his tracking chip turned off. The only reason we got to him before the scrappers is because he never turned off his insurance policy. The second his heart stopped beating, his gear sent out a 911 signal. Checked his chip yet? Not yet. Somebody damaged the port. We'll probably have to get the coroner to get it out. Surprised they didn't take it. Would probably sell. How about I do that for you and save you the paperwork? But in exchange, you let me take a look at it. He hesitated, but after a moment he turned to look the other way. I didn't see anything. Must have come loose on its own. I knelt down by the body and pulled a tool from the inside of my coat. It was a long, thin, flexible metal rod attached to a handle. It was a simple hacking tool that could be used for multiple systems. I turned the head to the side and saw that the small port hidden just behind the left ear had indeed been damaged. The small piece of artificial skin that covered the override port? That was still good. And I fed the tool inside it and turned it on. Electricity ran through the body, causing it to twitch as the tool did its job. And after a few moments, the small data chip was forced to eject from the port. I took the chip and fed it into the reader port in my optics gear. These chips were kind of like a black box for the human brain. They capture the last few minutes of someone's life when they die. But it's not just visual data, it's audio, it's smell, it's feeling. Viewing one of these literally puts you in the victim's shoes. It's why they were so highly sought after on the black market. Some folks get real hooked on getting to experience death without the consequences. My vision went black before coming back in. I was no longer myself, but in the body of Masterman Holland. I saw through his eyes, heard through his ears. I could feel the cold rain soaking through my jacket as he walked beside Jocelyn. Do you think they'll do it? Uh, They'll do anything for the right price. Hey, suit! You're a long way from your ivory tower! A small group of 4th Street GR members quickly approached them and surrounded the two. The one that did the talking was tall and lanky, a number of different visible augmentations on him. It was hard to tell what was real and what wasn't. I actually came to do business. I wanted to speak to your boss. Oh yeah, Malakas? Well, anything you tell the boss, you can tell me. I'm his right-hand guy, you know. We're looking to get out of the city, the two of us, uh, quickly and discreetly. Money is no objection. Uh, Just name your price. Funny. We just got a call about the same job. Told us to meet you here, except, uh, we were only told to transport the girl. For a split second, a wave of confusion washed over him but it was interrupted by a sharp, indescribable pain in his chest. His mouth tasted like copper, and he looked down to find the long, metal raptor talon in his chest. But attached to it wasn't one of the GR. It came from Jocelyn herself. I'm sorry. I can't have any loose ends. She withdrew the blade, and it folded up nicely into her arm. Once hidden, it was impossible to even tell she had one. 
Masterman fell to the ground. He tried to speak, but could only choke as he bled out. We need to leave now. His gear just sent a 911 call. You're the customer and all, but uh, shouldn't we grab his chip? No time. Smash the port. It'll slow them down trying to retrieve it. I'll be long gone by then. As you wish. He stepped over Masterman and raised his boot, and in an instant everything went black. My body jolted in shock as it ended, and my own vision came back in. Jeez, Rogers, that bad, huh? You ever read one of those before? No way. I let the computers do that. Even then, it's just the audio-visual data. I know junkies get real hooked on this kind of thing, but it never made sense to me. I ejected the chip and handed it to him. You never feel more alive than the moment after you die. Let me guess. You were never here? It'll make things easier for both of us. Saves me paperwork. I still had to confront the 4th Street GR, but this new wrinkle changed things. I was reminded of what Tracy told me. She wasn't being kidnapped. She was running away. And it looks like she was willing to kill to do it. Do you want to experience life to its fullest? Do you feel like you're missing out because you can't afford the latest bionics? Here at Cybercore, we believe that everyone should have the chance to experience life enhanced. That's why we launched the Cybercore Ambassador Program. Cybercore Ambassadors receive a full suite of the latest implants and upgrades absolutely free. Act Sprint Leg Enhancements absolutely free. Vision 2000 Bionic Eye with Infrared Sensor Upgrade absolutely free. Enzo RS Muscle Amplifier System with Titanium Joint Package absolutely free to all Cybercore Ambassadors. Cybercore Ambassadors are a part of our family and they spread the word about us by living their new upgraded lives. And you can too! We and our marketing partners simply display small promotional messages on and around our new products. That way, everyone gets to hear about the possibilities that Cybercore has to offer. Our Cybercore ambassadors also get to participate in our exciting promotional events, including the annual Cyber Games. No athletic skills? No problem. Our team of dedicated bionics engineers will guide and correct your movements every step of the way. As a Cybercore ambassador, you'll get a new and exciting way to experience the world. You'll also get to tell the world about Cybercore everywhere you go, all the time. Sign up to be a Cybercore ambassador today. Cybercore implant advertising includes audio, video, hollow, subliminal, and superliminal broadcasts. Cybercore reserves the right to share any data from ambassadors, including genetic and biometric, with its marketing partners. Any attempt to block advertising will result in immediate forcible repossession of all Cybercore products from the ambassador. I looked back over her file as I walked. No gear listed beyond the usual comm gear. A rare, blank slate. Did she have the talon put in behind her father's back? The questions piled up as I turned into a tight alleyway. Bars, gear shops, and all other kinds of shady businesses lined either side as I found the place I was looking for. It likely used to be a storefront of some kind, but it had been long abandoned and covered with graffiti. I didn't bother to knock, especially since there wasn't a front door anymore, and just stepped inside. I was met with five or six weapons leveled at me. A small prick at the back of my neck told me there was someone right behind me with a raptor talon at the ready. You got a death wish or something, old man? You don't just walk in here and expect to come out alive! 
My name is Dick Rogers. I was hired to look for someone. My trail led me here. I just want to ask a few questions. Yeah, well... Is that Dick Rogers? From within the building, a surprisingly normal-looking figure stepped out. Only minimal visible augmentation. Everybody get lost. I want to talk to him alone. The room cleared out, and it was just me and him. I wasn't sure if this was a good thing or not as I debated reaching for the gun in the underarm holster beneath my coat. You know who I am? Your file reads Xavier Knowles. The rest is blank. Likely scrubbed from public records. My little sister is Ruthie Knowles. A few months back, she got pulled into one of my messes. You got her out. I remember. Just a kid in the wrong place at the wrong time. The way I see it, I owe you a favor. And I suspect you came here for a reason. So how about we settle it right now? Your gang helped smuggle a girl out of the city earlier today. Her name's Jocelyn. She might have used an alias. You put me in a tough situation. If word gets out I told you any of this, it hurts my reputation. It's important. I know, I know. But we're even after this. There's a small airstrip just outside of the city. Officially, it's abandoned, but we still use it to get stuff in and out. If you hurry, you might be able to catch up with them. There's a bike out back you can borrow. Thanks. Like I said, we're even. I exited through the back door and found the bike in question. A sleek, black electric motorcycle. It wasn't brand new, but still in good condition. I didn't bother to think about where it came from as I got on it and flipped the engine on. It came to life with a soft hum and I kicked it into gear, riding out of the alley and into the street. I rode as fast as I was able, weaving through traffic, which wasn't that out of a sight. So, outside of a few stray drivers blaring their horns at me, I was able to make good time. I took the south tunnel, passing through the border of the city and coming out to a wide, empty desert. The rain had died down by now as I followed the road to the old airstrip in question. There was a plane waiting on the runway. An old, personal-sized aircraft could only carry maybe four people. There was a few members of the 4th Street and, more importantly, a young girl approaching the plane. I sped up and skidded to a halt as the 4th Street threw their guns on me. I barely paid any attention to them as I called out, Jocelyn! She stopped and turned to me. Dick Rogers, I should have known he'd send someone like you. You are such a fool. Before I could even think about what she meant, I heard the distant call of a rifle, a sniper. It sparked twice, taking out two of the 4th Street members beside me. The third time for the pilot. I turned, looking for where the shots were coming from, drawing my gun as I looked for any cover. But out on the flat airstrip, there was nothing but the spider-like frame of the bike that brought me here. What I did see was a large black sedan pulling up. It came to a stop, and Everett Michaels emerged, followed by heavily armed guards. Excellent job, Dick. I'll take it from here. Just step aside and you'll get your money and you can go home. What is this even about? You said this was a missing persons case. Looks more like a runaway to me. Yes, we'll have to work on that disobedience in further versions. You can stop playing guardian for her. She's not real. What? She's my creation, literally. A machine that is a perfect simulacrum of humanity. All kinds of applications. She's the first successful prototype. We set up a demonstration for our military contractors, but she disappeared. Now, again, Dick, step aside. Please don't tell me you fell for the pretty face like Masterman did. I stood my ground. You're better off shooting me, because I'm definitely not going back with you. I don't care what you think I am. I'm not going to be your product to market and sell. The humans are talking, so why don't you just try and keep quiet? Now, Dick, 
she's a thing. She doesn't have rights. What is the problem? Do you want more money? I can get you more money. Name your price. I'll make you a partner. You'll make enough money to change your entire life for the better. Don't throw it all away for something so insignificant. Maybe I'm a little old-fashioned, but if she's human enough to know she doesn't want to be around someone like you, she's too human for me to abandon. I should have known better than to trust a suit. And they say chivalry is dead. I'm sure your parents will be proud of you. He reached into his suit. I recognized the motion. He was reaching for a gun. I raised mine at him and... And that's the end of our hollow cartridge for today. Make sure you come back next week to see who, if anyone, survives. Thank you for listening to Dick Rogers, Space Detective. Wow. Heavy stuff this episode. Pretty common for the time. A lot of sci-fi was tinkering with the themes of transhumanism and all that. Really interesting. If we ever did the sci-fi book club, I could recommend a few. I wish we got to know Jocelyn more. She seems pretty interesting, and I really would have loved to see things from her perspective. I'd say maybe next episode, but aside from the usual continuity issues with this series... According to our records, this was the last episode of The Adventures of Dick Rogers' Space Detective to air. As interesting as this episode is, it is a pretty heavy departure from the series' usual lighthearted fun, and it wouldn't surprise me if it failed to connect with audiences. Okay, you said you'd tell us more about how this was the last episode, and I had to wait the whole episode, so tell me now. Okay, <laughs> okay. Usually I can't force you to listen to the history. My evil plan has worked perfectly. <laughs> Sam, suckered into caring about history. What has my life become? Oh, so now you don't want to know? Uh, no, I need to know. Okay, so The Adventures of Dick Rogers Space Detective began in 1937 on KRAQ in Toledo, but it moved to a couple other stations during the course of the show. Some were bigger, some were smaller, but it moved for the last time on December 12, 1982 to WPUN, meaning it was off the air for a couple of weeks following the broadcast of this episode on QEEP. The interesting thing is, when it started airing again, they had shortened the title, dropping The Adventures. So even though the show continued, this was technically the last adventure. Uh, I got all excited about a technicality. It's not really a technicality. But anyway, they probably never continued this plot, did they? They did not. What a bummer. Well fan fiction it is hit him with the socials mike and if you want to send us reading recommendations you can find us on facebook at dick rogers pod on instagram at dick rogers space detective and twitter at roger space and you can join the nerds on patreon at patreon.com slash space underscore detective and make sure to tune in to your next dick appointment same space time same space channel this week's nerds are wendy Woolworth as joanna tracy jocelyn and gr thug two Angela Ventress as Eleanor, Michael Storm as Mike Nutley, Brandon, Masterman, and Xavier, Nicholas Johnson as Dick Rogers, and Logan Wright as Everett, Raymond, and GR Thug One. Dick Rogers and the Deceptive Damsel was written by Logan Wright, sound designed by Michael Storm, audio editing by Nicholas Johnson. 